0: All right, folks, welcome back into Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I'm recording this, following the NBA All-Star Game, all the All-Star festivities, as uh, Nikola Jokic gets to showcase his talents, gets to run around and and jog around the court for the All-Star Game for just a little bit. Uh, He was honored as an All-Star starter. This year and and did a lot of good things. The NBA also honored their NBA 75 list uh, at halftime of the All Star game, which was pretty cool. Uh, Still think that Jokic obviously should have been on that one. And in retrospect, it's, it's pretty clear that he should be on that and will be on the next iteration for sure. But it was nice to see all of the legends there, all of the NBA talent in the building where. You've got Allen Iverson on the call. You've got uh, Draymond Green among the players on the call for the other broadcast. Uh, Everybody's hyping up the game, talking about the positive aspects and the players before and the players after that are continuing to lift up the game. So really good stuff from the NBA this weekend. Uh, Apparently, the the All-Star Saturday events were not great. I did not watch those. I was doing more important things, but it was nice to see. Uh, everything that was going on. And and I did want to get up a podcast about the All-Star game and also kind of get into a series that I'm going to do over the next few days uh, called the, the In-Season Grades for the Nuggets roster. Everybody that's here, not going to be grading PJ Dozier or Bull Bull or anybody like that, or James Ennis or players like that that, that played for the Nuggets briefly, but Everybody that's on the roster, we're going to be talking about over the course of this week. So, in the second and third segments, I'm going to do the guards, uh, Monte Morris, Faku Composo, etc. But for the first segment, we're going to talk about the All Star game and more specifically, Nikola Jokic's All Star performance, where he was given the opportunity to show out a little bit and and show out. He did. It wasn't like it wasn't this massively overstated performance where he's going at the throat of the other guy across from him and. I mean, if if you're watching the game tonight, you could tell Joel Embiid really wanted to score on Nikola Jokic tonight, and he really wanted that MVP of the All-Star game. Of course, he came in second place to Stephen Curry, uh, which should be familiar to him. But that's okay, uh, because Joel Embiid had a fantastic performance as well. Nikola Jokic, more understated, definitely not really looking to to shoot a whole bunch out there. He was ten points, four or five from the field, uh, two of three from three, if I'm not mistaken, and grabbed nine rebounds, eight assists. Was very close to that triple double. Uh, didn't end up making it, and the reason being, uh, he didn't actually go back into the game in the in the fourth quarter. Uh, first quarter, it was it was a lot of jogging, uh, end end line to end line for him, staying out of the way of LeBron and Giannis, Demar Derozan, guys like that. Joker went two for two in the quarter, uh, and then the second quarter and the third quarter were really about Stephen Curry for Team LeBron. And it was nice to see. Like, Steph puts on a great show. There's no question about it. And he finished the game, I think, like, what, 16 threes? 50 points? He absolutely deserved the All-Star MVP. That's that's for sure. He put on an absolute show, and that was great, for sure. Um. Obviously, that didn't really leave a lot of room to shine for a bunch of the other players, and yok was more and more than happy to kind of step out of the way of that show. And second quarter, uh, Jokic and Embiid had a, had a brief going back and forth at each other from behind the three point line. Uh, Jokic, in quotations, would have lost that battle because Embiid made two threes and Jokic made one. But I don't really care. Like I don't think anybody really should care either. This was just. Everybody going half speed, trying to showcase their skills, and nothing really strenuous. So, Jokic wasn't really sitting down and trying to go hard at and beat on the other end. So, it's, I'm not really worried about this, folks. Like, don't uh, don't get your uh, don't get it twisted. yoke uh, was out there having fun, and we should celebrate him having fun because that's that's what he did. And uh, third quarter, once again, Steph show. You got to see all the the deep threes and him turning around while he was shooting and there was a really deep one at the it kind of midcourt where he, he shot about a 35-footer and then turned around and was already running back while the ball wasn't even halfway there, uh, which was pretty cool. It was pretty fun and uh, got to see Giannis go at it, got to see uh, DeMar DeRozan make some plays, got to, got to see the hometown guys with uh, Darius Garland and Jared Allen and uh, – LeBron had made a big point about being there being three All-Stars from Cleveland, and it was Darius Garland, it was Jared Allen, and it was himself. And so, they're all on the same team, and LeBron got a big cheer, and that was pretty cool um, from the from the Cleveland crowd. Honestly, sounds like he's trying to sow the seeds of going back for a reunion after his deal is done in LA, which I think is pretty funny. Uh But Yoke was pretty much done uh, at the middle of the third quarter or so, where he went out of the game and had 21 minutes, didn't come back in. Where uh, instead, Jared Allen got to finish in his place as the hometown center, hometown guy, and and Allen did a pretty good job against Embiid and made a couple plays for sure. Uh, And in the end, it was Team LeBron that ended up having that victory. Uh, Obviously, the MVP went to Stephen Curry. But there were a lot of other guys that had some fun performances, and the game-winning bucket went to LeBron on a fun, deep, contested turnaround in the post over his defender. And there was just a lot of good action from the players on the court. And so, nice to see Jokic socializing, having a good time. I'm sure there will be some clips that show up that that surface, uh, kind of some mic'd up sound bites of Jokic on the court or kind of in the locker room area and just having a fun time, joking around with everybody. I always enjoy those more than I I enjoy the actual game. And I think Nuggets fans can really sympathize with that because so much of what Jokic does, he even said it today to Mike Singer after the game, sometimes it's hard for him to find his place in an all-star game setting. It's not like, like his... Awesome passes are meant to go for cutters or meant to go for um I don't know, like like three-point shooters that are trying to have the timing right and things like that. Everybody jogging around, it's not great for flashy passing, I don't think. Especially at the pa- at the pace that he plays at. So it's fine, it's not the big deal. But he did throw some full court bombs and, and that was pretty fun. Had a nice alley oop to LeBron. I uh, had a nice no-look pass out to three for Steph, was trying to get Giannis involved, guys like that. So it was good to see Jokic perform. And he he showed out. He did what he needed to do in order to kind of vindicate himself and had a good time on the court. And so that's all I'm really worried about. And that's all anybody should be worried about too. Not much more to report from the All-Star stuff after that. Uh, I talked about Bones Highland in the last episode, so if you want to hear my thoughts on Bones, then make sure to go listen to that. Uh, But when we come back, we are going to get into the Nuggets guard grades for the in-season portion, the the all-star break portion of the season. We will be right back. But first, Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. It's just too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360, windmill, good. We didn't see any of those dunks from the All-Star game but uh, uh, and, and from then from the NBA dunk contest over the weekend, which was pretty sad. But I know you can get in on that dunking action over at DraftKings where new customers, you can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings customers, they can also bet on the NBA with new same-game parlays, where you combine multiple bets together from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. It's that simple. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS, where you bet just $1 on any team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code MHS at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Mid minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See draftkingscom sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. pickaxe and roll ryan blackman here thank you so much for tuning in it would be cool if you could also rate review and subscribe to the podcast five stars on apple podcast spotify google wherever you get your podcast i've seen some reviews some ratings come in been very positive i really appreciate that everybody it makes me very happy to see those come in a lot of vindication a lot of uh, a lot of credit goes to uh, the people that i'm able to provide this podcast to. so thank you very much Alright, let's start with the in-season grades portion of this segment. And, and I'm going to I'm going to go through the different position groups. I, I usually break things down not by point guards, shooting guards, whatever. I, I think I'm gonna do guards, wings, and forwards in one category, and then the bigs, as well as the injured players, in another category. And so those are going to occur over three separate days. I want to make sure to give each player the time that they are due. Uh, make sure to talk about everybody, not leave anybody out. Uh, so the players that I'm going to cover today are the five guards in Denver's rotate, not not in, on their roster really. Uh, and I'm I'm moving Austin Rivers and Will Barton over to the to the wings section because that's where they've played most of their minutes. Uh, we are going to talk about Monte Morris, Faku Campazo, Bones Highland. Marcus Howard and Bryn Forbes. And we are going to start with Monte Morris who this season I think has been a nice pleasant surprise. Not necessarily unsurprising from the perspective of hey this is this is what he's been doing off the bench so why couldn't he do it in a starting lineup. And I think he's proven that a lot of what he does from a production standpoint, from an efficiency standpoint, and from just fitting in, uh, it is translatable to the starting lineup for Denver. Uh, Per game, Monte Morris is averaging 30 minutes a night, 12.7 points, 4.3 assists, 3.0 rebounds. He's shooting 47.6% from the field and 37.5% from three. I do want to point out some of the advanced numbers in these conversations too, and so the ones that I'll pick for this one, his usage rate is at seventeen point nine percent, which is just slightly a career high, but like it's basically in line with where he usually is. Fifty six point eight true shooting percentage is basically in line with where he's supposed to be. Uh, seven point five, a uh, plus seven point five net rating is really really good. That's the highest of his career. And a 0.6 estimated plus minus from dunksandthrees.com, which is probably the best single game metric that's out there right now. Estimated plus minus, that's third on the team, the plus 0.6 number. So for Monte, this year was always about survival. And that comes with Monte too, because he started the year As a player who you didn't know what you were going to get and whether he was going to be able to step up to the plate in the way that a starting guard has to. And he has stepped up to the plate where he shot the ball efficiently, where he's not turning the ball over. He's he's actually his assist to turnover ratio really hasn't changed at all. He's a 4.3 assists and 1.0 turnovers. So obviously that's a 4.3 assist to turnover ratio. That's really, really good. It's one of the best marks in the NBA still. And so much of his game just hasn't really changed, and it still fit in in such a pleasant way around what the Nuggets continue to do. He has the versatility to be able to play on and off the ball on the offensive end. And whether he's playing pick and roll with Jokic or DHOs, whether he's spotting up, whether he's backdoor cutting, he has so many different skills. That can come into the game and he can either score six points in a quarter or zero points in a quarter and still be impactful, which I think is really, really important for somebody replacing Jamal. Some of the lineup data that I want to share from him, about 88% of his minutes have come at point guard this year. This is from my own personal uh, stash of... Uh, data that I've been keeping track of on my rotation charts. And so, I'm I'm going to be posting something on Monday, I think, on Denver's rotation and what we've learned from Michael Malone's rotations over the course of these first 58 games or so. I've charted every single game. I haven't posted every single game. That's my bad. But I've charted basically every single game. And what I have Is not exact numbers, but they're pretty close. And I'm the only one who's done this, like nuggets wise, but also really nationally. Like nobody, nobody nationally does this other than me, at least not that I follow. So I think that this is important to cover. And for Morris, I think it's very interesting too, because he's always been a point guard, right? Like he's always been a guy that either he'll play the point guard position, or he'll play shooting guard in name while being the smallest player on the court still. And whether that's playing next to Jamal Murray, like Morris is still the point guard in those situations for the most part. So this time he shared over 200 minutes with Faku Campazo this year. And that's 12% of the season, or 12% of his minutes. So seven eighths have been with being as the point guard. And the other 18th has been next to Faku. And in those 201 minutes, they have a minus 16.5 net rating together. That's really bad. And not all of that is with the bench. Like, there's a, a significant chunk of that that is with Nikola Jokic. And for whatever reason, having multiple point guards out there with Jokic just hasn't really worked. It hasn't manifested into the elite offense that they would hope for. And the defense goes to hell. It really is a bad defensive unit when you have so little size out there. So I wonder if Denver, like if Jamal comes back, if you could say goodbye to the Monte Faku combo, then that's probably best for the Nuggets. Because in the 1,129 minutes that Monte Morris, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic have played together, they have a plus 13.3 net rating. That's second in the NBA among trios that have played at least 800 minutes. And so when I look at those numbers, I think, okay, Denver's main guys have been Morris, Gordon, and Jokic this year. Barton has been like kind of off and on. He's had some moments where he's been in the lineup. He's had some moments where he's staggering. Morris doesn't really stagger. He plays with the starters the majority of the time. So does Gordon. So does Jokic. And so... When those guys are on the floor together, when you have those various lineups, then Denver has been fantastic. They've been so, so good. It's one of the best combinations in the NBA. And Morris gets credit for that. He absolutely does. If I didn't give him credit, then I'd be crazy. So I'm going to give him an A- up to this point. Denver has been able to survive the Jamal Murray injury and even the Michael Porter Jr. injury because Monte Morris has been such a good connecting piece, to really assist Jokic to do what he does best and to assist Aaron Gordon to do what he does best. When Will Barton doesn't have it, Monte Morris steps up. Uh, Sometimes Will doesn't even have to start it off. Monte sometimes starts it off, and he does a great, fantastic job. And so, I've been pretty impressed with what Monte has done. He's going to be a guy who's in closing lineups and closing rotations for Denver, I think that if I were the Nuggets, as long as Murray is back and healthy, I think their playoff closing lineup for most nights is going to be Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. And there might be some matchup-specific changes that they would make for that, but for the most part, Monte's probably going to be closing a lot of games. And he's earned that right with as good as he's been. Now, we move from one end of the spectrum to the other, I think. And, and let's talk about Faku Kompazo, who has had a lot of opportunities. I don't think that's like this is something that I'm going to post about in. Actually, I'll save this for the lineup data. But per game, let's just go over the numbers. Per game, Faku has played 20.3 minutes per night. points, 3.7 assists, 1.9 rebounds, shooting 37.8% from the field, 32% from three. 14.9% usage rate is really, really low. And he hasn't been super aggressive looking for his own shot, which he's a traditional point guard. He's not going to be somebody who is super aggressive. He's not so far behind Monte in that regard that they're so dissimilar. But with Monte, he's been able to space the floor. He's been able to get to his spots inside the arc. And it's just so much more comfortable in those situations as a shooter that I think it's really helped the entire team just so much. Um, 52.7% true shooting for Campazo, minus 10.5 net rating, uh, which is points per 100 possessions. So Denver gets outscored by 10.5 points per 100 possessions when is on the floor That's last among Denver's rotation guys. And it's too bad because the year before, he was doing pretty well and he had a lot of positive combinations, Uh, whether it was with Isaiah Hartenstein or JaVale McGee or Michael Porter Jr., who he paired well with. There was not a lot of positivity in the Faku combinations right now. And... I want to highlight the lineup data. 100% of his minutes have come at point guard this year. He's the smallest player on the team and he's also the guy that I classify as the point guard every single time he's out there. Like I never when when Faku and Monte are out there together, Faku is the point guard, Monte is the shooting guard. It's pretty much how it goes all the time. In those situations, um, you would think that given that Faku has played a ton of his minutes with jokic actually well let me let me go the other direction because the rotation visual visualization that i'm going to put out there it has faku playing so much of the last couple minutes of the first quarter first couple minutes of the second quarter last couple minutes of the third first couple minutes of the fourth and that just happens to be the time that Denver struggles the most in because that's the time that Jokic is off the floor the most. Uh, but I wanted to point out that Faku and Jokic in their 400 minutes together has a minus 4.0 net rating, which that's really bad. That's that's not good for a Jokic-led team when everybody else has a positive net rating and Faku's the only guy who has a negative net rating with Jokic. Where those guys, when they overlap together, they should be a positive duo. There's nothing that says that they shouldn't, but it just hasn't worked to the degree that it did last year. And even last year was negative. Like, it went under the radar last year because he didn't spend a ton of time with Jokic other than when he went into the starting lineup, but it wasn't a positive lineup. And so, I have to give Faku Campazo a D on the season because – There was a tangible difference, I think, between last year and this year, where the hustle and the energy that he brought last season, I think, was more impactful than what it was this year. For whatever reason, the season this year has felt like a slog. It's felt like just a very dramatically difficult year for everybody, and I think it's been difficult for Faku as he's been in the league for the second year as opposed to the first year. He is – I just don't think the the effect has been the same as it was in those previous couple months where he did have a lot of positive impact. And that doesn't mean that he can't get better over the course of the All-Star – like after the All-Star break. But I do think that there are going to be some problems that when Jamal Murray comes back, Denver's going to be trying to find time for bones. They're not going to be trying to find time for Faku, I don't think, uh, given that Faku has kind of lost his spot in the rotation, as Bones has been in the in the backup role. Bryn Forbes they traded for, and he's been pretty good as the backup too. And if you go any smaller than that and push those guys to the two and the three, then it's an issue. I, I just don't think that that's something that's super viable for Denver. So you've got to choose between those those guys. And I think the the right combination was picked, where you have Bones at the point guard, Bryn at the two guard, and if those guys go off, then it doesn't matter what the defensive end looks like. They're just they're gonna hold serve, which is all you need the team to do. When Faku's been out there, they haven't been able to do that. And whether that's his fault or not, like it's just it's so nuanced that I don't want to put it all on him. But I also don't want to like, – I also want to highlight the positivity, the positive aspects of other guys and what they are bringing instead of him because there are times where when other guys are on the court, the ball is moving better, the, the team is playing better, the shots that they're giving up are worse, the shots that they're getting are better. And when they're putting themselves into those positive situations – Good things are going to happen, and I want to be able to comment on that. So it's going to be tough uh, as the team continues to work their way towards a Jamal Murray return. I do think that that's coming in the next, within the next month or so. And if that's the case, then you're going to be in a situation where uh, now you've got just a, a very large minutes problem. And there's going to be a lot of guys for very few slots, and I think the Thaku's going to lose out. So let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the last three guys in the guard rotation, Bones Highland, Marcus Howard, and Bryn Forbes. We will be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. I uh, really appreciate all of the love and support over the course of this All-Star break and, and prior to that, of course. But especially now where you, you have a lot of time uh, to kill and you could spend your time any which way you want. And, and I'm going to spend my time providing content because that's, that's just what I do. And that, um, I do it with uh, love and joy, as always. All right. Let us get into grades for the final three guards uh, because we're now in a situation where okay, you're talking about Bones Highland, you're talking about Marcus Howard, talking about Bryn Forbes. Uh, these guys haven't played as much for Denver as the other two between uh, Monte and Bones or Monte and Faco, excuse me. But let's start with Marcus Howard, who hasn't played a ton of minutes this season, only about 150, and most of his time like I, th- I was i was blown away when i saw this on the rotation visualizer that i'm doing uh, just the vast majority of his time about 59% of his minutes have come in the fourth quarter alone and a lot of that is going to be garbage time a lot of that that's that's when he ultimately gets in he didn't have a lot of opportunities in the rotation when he was out there with with his teammates but uh, most of the time, he's, he's in there as a as a garbage time guy, as a garbage time option, uh, when the game is already decided. And there are occasionally times where Denver is going to have uh, Marcus Howard try to come in to try to really open up the floor a little bit, hit some shots, maybe get them back into the game. They've tried to do that a couple times. But now that they traded for Bryn Forbes, there just isn't that much time left, so Per-game stats, Marcus Howard, six six minutes a game, four points per game, uh, 0.3 assists, 0.3 rebounds, 37% from the field, 43.3% from three, which is a nuts distribution, by the way. Uh, he, he's shooting 20% from two-point range and 43% from three-point range. That is insane. Um, his advanced numbers, 28% usage which is the second most on the team. Obviously, small sample size, not really going to call it the second highest on the team, but 28% is like it's all-star caliber level in terms of the number of shots that you're really putting up there. Whenever Marcus Howard is out there, when he gets the ball, he's going to shoot. He's going to try to find some space. He's going to try to find some time to get his shot off. And he shoots relatively efficiently for the shots that he does take. 56.8% true shooting, plus 4.5 net rating, and a minus 0.5 EPM, which is sixth on the team. That's not that bad. I'm not really going to get into the lineup data, though, because the lineup with Marcus Howard, the five-man lineup with the most Marcus Howard minutes is 11 minutes. It features Faku Pazzo, Austin Rivers, Bull Bull, and Peter Cornelly. So, on one hand, I want to give some positivity to Marcus Howard's minutes, and I think that he deserves some credit for coming in and doing his job when he's given the opportunity. He did get hurt. He had that scary knee injury, I'm pretty sure it was against Milwaukee, uh, where he kind of got crumbled up upon. And I thought he tore his ACL, but it was actually just an ACL sprain or MCL sprain or something like that. And when he came back, it was a real surprise because he came back way before the estimated six to eight week timetable was where he he was able to show back up. And he was there with like four weeks. That's crazy. That's a a crazy bounce back time. So uh, hopefully Marcus Howard gets an opportunity somewhere to really showcase his shooting ability. I don't think it's going to be for Denver because they traded for Bryn Forbes. They they knew they needed somebody more reliable, a veteran option, somebody who could come into the game that Michael Malone trusts and get some buckets. Really help the really help the second unit space the floor, and Bryn Forbes is really good at that. Um, so they aren't going to go to Marcus Howard. I don't think. I would be surprised if Marcus Howard played another sixty minutes in a Nuggets uniform. And it's too bad because like he's been a a, a good soldier since he was here. And he contributed to a positive playoff experience for Denver last year in the Portland series where he was able to hit some threes and really space the court and make an impact. But I just don't think that Denver's really committed to him. And they have to find a better use for their two-way contracts for all the roster spots that they're going to need to fill up they're going to need to be better than where they were. And so I hope that they are. And, and I I don't think that Marcus Howard is the right fit for this team if they traded for a Marcus Howard plus version of him in Bryn Forbes. So I give him a C and I think that's just about it. So let's move on to Bryn Forbes who came in and, and has been a really big positive impact for Denver for the most part. Uh, 20 minutes per game, 10.6 points. assists, 1.1 rebounds, 45% from the field, 43% from three, 21.6% usage, and a 57.8% true shooting. So basically what that means, Brent Forbes is a shooter. Brent Forbes is going to come into the game and he's going to try to get buckets too. And obviously he plays a little bit more than Marcus Howard. He's already doubled up his minutes in a Nuggets uniform for this season. And because he's in the game, he plays some with Jokic. He's not going to really, uh, he's not going to hold the twenty-eight percent usage that Marcus Howard does because Howard's just trying to get some buckets and garbage time and whatnot. But I do think that with what Bryn Forbes is doing, what he was traded for for Denver, he has done that job. Uh, I will say I've been really surprised with how bad. Bryn Forbes' defenses. There are some moments that he has on occasion where he'll get a nice strip steal, where he'll move his feet pretty well and force a miss, but for the most part, he's not really an impactful defender, and you're not asking him to do that, right? Like This is not a situation where he's going to be Aaron Gordon out there, or he's going to be Shaq Harrison out there where Shaq Harrison was brought in to play defense. He was not brought in to score. Uh, Bryn Forbes was brought in to score, and he's going to do that. He's going to shoot. And he is at his most dangerous and helping the team the most when he's staying aggressive. So I do think that Denver's in a situation where they can continue to rely on Bryn Forbes. Even when Jamal Murray comes back, there are going to be minutes for Forbes. I'm not sure how abundant those minutes are going to be. I do think that Denver's in a situation where they're going to have to start making some tough choices and Bones Highland's probably going to get cut out from the rotation because I do think that Bryn Forbes is going to stay out there, and it's going to be tough. It's it's going to be a really tough situation for Denver, but uh, Forbes has earned it with his efficient shooting. He deserves a lot of credit for that, and one of the lineup data points that I want to share in 99 minutes so far this year, the Forbes-Jokic combination 126.4 126.4 offensive rating, 116.7 defensive rating, plus 9.6 net rating. So it's been a positive and despite the fact that the defense has been bad, the offense has been so good that they've been able to make up for it. And so that's kind of the uh it's the allure of having Bryn Forbes on the team. He's going to give you all of those options to play at a at a breakneck pace. Or even if you have to play at a half-court pace, he's going to find opportunities to shoot the ball if you make one little mistake. So he's a guy that forces the opposing team to play precise basketball. And if they don't, he's going to kill them. So good for him for stepping in for what Denver needs. Finally, let's talk about Bones. Bones Highland, who's just in the Rising Stars game, who as a rookie has really showcased his ability to get a bucket to play within a system, but also stay aggressive and and never settle for not making an impact. Whether it's a positive or a negative one, he's always going to try to get out there and take the shots that he's supposed to take, and he'll make them. He'll take some very ambitious ones and make those at a pretty reasonable clip. Um, The per-game numbers, 18 minutes a night, 8.8 8.8 points, two assists, 2.7 rebounds, 37% from the field, 34.6% from three. Uh, he shoots a lot, and he, he takes a lot of possessions. The turnovers are – it's not perfect, and and he probably doesn't pass the ball well enough to really justify as often as he does hold the basketball. But 24% usage is second on the team. Among the guys that have played the most amount of time, and that checks out. When he comes off the bench, there are very few players on the bench unit. From Faku when he was out there to, not Brent Forbes because he was kind of more before that, uh, but Jamichael Green, Demarcus Cousins, Austin Rivers, PJ Dozier before that, Zeke Najee, guys like that. Like none of those guys are really shot creators. And Bones is. Bones is one of the only guys that really can do that. And it's not surprising to me that the shot percentage at 51% true shooting is a little bit down, despite the fact that he's getting a lot of shots. And a lot of people will complain about that. A lot of people will look at, well, Faku's shooting a little bit better from two point range. Well, yeah, because Faku isn't taking a ton of valuable two pointers, he's taking the ones that are wide open. But in order to stretch the defense out, in order to make them bend to your will, Bones has to take certain shots. And he's done a pretty good job of that, or as well as a rookie can really be expected to do. So his plus 0.7 net rating is so drastically different from Faku's 10.5 net rating that I do think it's valuable. That I think it's one of those things that you look at like, wow, those guys share the court a lot of the time. How is it so drastically different? And the biggest reason is that when Bones is on the court without Facu Campazo or Monte Morris, he has a plus 7.7 net rating in 579 possessions over a cleaning the glass. That's basically about 275 minutes or so? that's really good. Plus 7.7? Not all of that is with Jokic either. Like a lot of that is with DeMarcus Cousins and Jermichael Green and Zeke Nagy and folks like that. And Bones' ability to step up in those situations deserves so much credit. He's not perfect. He's a bad defender, frankly. And though he has some high IQ moments on both ends of the floor, I think his most of his game can be described as a gunner mentality on both ends of the floor, where he'll take some risks, he will get out of position, he will be a space cadet at times, and there's going to be a lot of growing pain moments with him, where sometimes the shots that he wants to take are not the right shots for what Denver needs. But it's this constant struggle between who he is as a basketball player, where he is in his development, and what the Nuggets need at that point. So he's trying to navigate that. He's trying to figure that out. And I give him a lot of credit. It's very tough in this situation for a rookie because the Nuggets have expectations. The Detroit Pistons don't. The Houston Rockets don't. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, they can make all the mistakes. They don't have to get like worry about getting benched, taken out of the game. Bones does. Michael Malone will absolutely go with Faku Compasso. He will go with Bryn Forbes. He will go with Austin Rivers. They'll go back to Monte Morris and Will Barton. And when Jamal Murray comes back, th- uh, Bones won't be able to make a mistake at all. Because the moment he does, Denver can go back to whoever they need to in order to win games. And there are just so many other options that I think the good thing for Bones kind of getting these minutes out of the way Is that he's putting himself into a position where going forward in seasons to come, he's going to be a second year player, a third year player, a fourth year player with a bunch of minutes under his belt. And the more minutes and experience he can get at the various levels of competition that he needs, whether it's regular season NBA basketball, the Rising Stars game, uh, playoff basketball in a really tough environment, he's having these growing and learning experiences. And he's learning where he needs to impact the game, where he needs to get better, how he has to proceed in his player development. And that's a really, really valuable thing for a player like him. I think he's talented and has the capability to be a really, really legitimate scorer off the bench. And whether he can get into a starting lineup and really start impacting the game from there, that remains to be seen. He's going to have to figure out some of those other skills, whether it's bulking up as a defender, whether it's changing his mentality a little bit as a passer. But there is no doubt in my mind that the Nuggets next season will be able to go to Bones Highland as a shooter and a scorer off the bench. They may not need Bryn Forbes. They may not need Faku Campazo. If they have Monte Morris and Bones Highland, that's going to be one of the best duos in the NBA. They might even decide that they don't need Monte or that they can move Monte to acquire an upgrade somewhere else. That may happen. It might not, but we're just going to have to see. Biggest point, though, is that Bones has proven that he's a piece of the future. might not be a piece of the present right now, especially when guys get healthy but I do think that he has proven himself and acquitted himself pretty well as a player that when he's out there, when he's in tough situations, he can still flourish. And I'm looking forward to what the next pieces of his development are going to look like. We're going to see. All right. That is, and for that grade, I'm giving him a B. Uh, I do think that like, I can't give him an A because if it was an A grade, then he would be playing a little bit more. He'd be Closing some games a little bit more frequently, he'd have more trust. He doesn't have that quite yet, but I think a B grade is very fair. So, in conclusion, Monte Morris gets an A minus, Faku Camposo gets a D, Bones Highland gets a B, Marcus Howard gets a C, and Bryn Forbes gets a B minus. Maybe a B for Bryn Forbes as well. Uh, Can choose in the comments which one you guys think. So, everybody, let me know. What you think these players deserve in terms of in-season grades for where the Nuggets are at right now? How have they done? What are, like am I am I completely off base in what I'm saying? Uh, what do you think? Uh, but for now, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Tomorrow, I will be back with grades for the wings and the forwards. The healthy wings and forwards we will not be doing uh, Jamal Murray or Michael Porter grades. At this point, uh, not until the injured category for uh, that I'm doing alongside the bigs. So got to wait until I think Thursday for that episode. But I've got some good things planned for this week. Make sure to check back in for all of these episodes. Uh, But for now, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. we will talk to you guys tomorrow.